This is California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. In this episode, we're embarking on a tour of San Francisco. Neighborhood by neighborhood, we'll be exploring the vibrant personalities of the communities that make up the city by the bay. First, we'll meet Evan Goldstein, the first master sommelier of a major league sports team. With his decades of expertise, the SF local will guide us to the perfect wine selection to enjoy at the ballpark and beyond. Then Olivia Allen Price, author of the new book Bay Curious, will share how to have a memorable night in North Beach, starting with spectacular entertainment. It's kind of like Cirque du Soleil, but with a San Francisco twist. It's a small theater, so you're really close to these people doing amazing tricks with their bodies that just will blow your mind. I went a couple weeks ago, and I'm still thinking about it. After that, Lauren Saria, the editor of Eater San Francisco, will take us to some eccentric stops on a cable car bar crawl. That's all coming up on California Now. My first guest has spent his career turning his love for wine into a living. Evan Goldstein is a master sommelier, a distinction held by only 273 people in the world. He's the author of four books on the subject and has been twice named in IntoWine.com's Top 100 Most Influential People in the U.S. Wine Industry. He's also the official sommelier of the San Francisco Giants, and he's here today to talk wine and work and spotlight a few notable neighborhoods in his own backyard of San Francisco. Evan, it's an honor to have you on. Welcome to California Now. Oh, it's a treat to be with you as well, and and so looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. So, you know, first off, can you explain what a master sommelier does for those who don't know? Absolutely. A master sommelier is sort of like the ultimate credential in the world of sommelierie. And sommelier is a French term that basically speaks to somebody who does all things beverage in a restaurant situation. And what we do is, um, for those of us who work on the floor, we, we work with guests and customers and help steer them towards the best selections of beverages to match their meal, uh, whether that's fine wine, but it could be an excellent Japanese sake, it could be an hmm. amazing single malt scotch or a great cocktail. But anything that one consumes in a liquid format that pairs with a meal is something that we'll be uh, in charge of. That's so interesting. I, ne- I never realized it went beyond wine. That's really cool. So, you know, being a master sommelier, is extraordinary, a very rare job. How did you get into it? Well, it it actually goes back a long time. I passed my master sommelier um, accreditation in 1987. I was the seventh person uh, in the United States to pass it in time, but I was the ripe uh, old age of 26 years old. And I've had (laughs) wine as part of my life literally since I was a teenager, which I think I can say statute of limitations is probably (laughs) passed at this point in time. But I grew up in a household where wine was part of uh, our family's tradition. My mother is a chef, uh, now retired and had a restaurant in San Francisco. Francisco for many years. So wine was very much part of our household. That sort of uh, formulated for me uh, a love and an interest in the subject. And I just sort of turned on my scorch earth factor into that and got more and more into it over time, culminating in passing the master sommelier exam in London in 1987. And then even more niche, I mean, you are the sommelier of a professional baseball team. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who didn't know that was a thing. I mean, how did that come about? I actually got started. A lot of people sort of think that this began just recently. And yes, it did start at the beginning of the season. And we announced our formal uh, relationship as of September of last year. But I actually go back 
in the uh, in the late 80s or mid to late 80s, we actually started working together. A couple of the senior executives at the team at the time and still to the day uh, are also wine lovers. And we talked about what could we do to, you know, offer offer wine to the fans. And we came up with a couple of ideas, probably the most notoriety of which at the time <laughs> was a program called Wine Tasting by the Bay. Last year in the spring, uh, Giants called me up and they had this project in mind, uh, which needed some approval with Major League Baseball and everything. But they said, Evan, if anyone is going to be partnering with us on this, it's going to be you. And it took a few months to put together uh, an arrangement, but we started literally in September of last year and then, of course, kicked off um, just prior to spring training with our annual Fan Fest and continued that down into uh, not as big as I would have liked to have done first year, but we'll do a bigger job next year at Scottsdale, Arizona during spring training. Wow, amazing. I mean, when I go to a baseball game, I'm thinking hot dog and a beer. But, you know, what can you tell me about getting a good glass of wine at Oracle Park at just a regular game, not at a special event? Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, one of the things that I love about about Oracle Park and have loved it as a a, a, a fan, I've been a season ticket holder since the day the park opened up in, in, in uh, the year 2000, is that they have a lot of wine outlets. Wine is part of, you know, Bay Area DNA, whether you're mm-hmm. in San Francisco in the North Bay, the East Bay, the South Bay. And being sort of, for lack of a better words, birthright owned uh, to having great wine, you know, 90 minutes in almost all directions, maybe mm-hmm. not west, you'd end up in the water. But east, south, <laughs> and north, um, it seems to make sense to, to have wine as being a significant part of what we do. So already, even before I started working um, with the team, there were seven freestanding wine bars spread throughout the different levels there. There's a couple of um, specialty areas. Obviously, there's the suites, but there's like an area called the Cloud Club, which is kind of a, a, a fun little thing. Imagine we work meets wine and baseball and that's what the cloud club is they have a members only club called the gotham club and then of course you know there's literally in the in the bleachers in the 415 you can get wine in cans and things like that so there's obviously great areas to get wine but i think what hadn't really happened prior to that was they really hadn't thought about connecting the dots so wine was available but they never thought about recommending it with food or wine was available but they didn't think of having the wine that went to the food being in a close proximity to one another so that's where we sort of started to go and what i tell people is that you know although we're probably wired if you will to do the beer and a hot dog thing and it rolls so nicely out of the out of your mouth there's nothing that doesn't say that a lot of the characteristics that make beer enjoyable, you know, a, a nice alcohol, uh, refreshing, um, effervescent in some cases, etc. can't carry over to wine. So I always tell people that with very few exceptions in life, maybe, you know, Texas five alarm chili or something like that, <laughs> there is a wine to go with just about every food. And in fact, we recorded a bunch of uh, pieces that went on the scoreboard in between innings, it got played in longer form before the game, etc. pretty much helping people understand which wines and which foods would go together. So while you're talking, you know, a, a nice a lager or an IPA perhaps to go with a hot dog, I am, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't have a Pinot Noir. There's no reason why a really good refreshing Zinfandel or something like that wouldn't work as well. And we've right. been really working on trying to share people with that and give them, if nothing else, permission to go out and maybe try something there. So even if they aren't doing it right now, I'm hoping that when they walk up to go buy that bratwurst or go buy a tri-tip sandwich or go buy garlic fries, that one of those messages that we've given them over time sticks. So even if they don't buy it right away, they stop for a second and pause. Right. Because you're basically, well, yeah, you're basically kind of like opening their minds to just even the concept of having wine at a ballpark with your hot dog or, or whatever you're going to order. Yeah. And, and it's definitely kicking in, even to the point where one of the events we did 
for Fan Appreciation Day this year was a, was a wine tasting event with me where we they, people came in and we had this big area carved out and we had three different ballpark foods. We had like little hot dogs. We had pizza, which you can get from uh, Tony's Pizza here at the ballpark. We did that. And then we had three different wines and we had people like try the wines, try them with all three wines with the different foods and vote on what their favorites were and stuff like that. And people were really buzzing about it. And the event itself, which had, you know, a couple of hundred people literally sold out in less than an hour after it was announced. Wow. That's incredible. Well, you know, what are some of your favorite wine and food pairings for a baseball game? One of the probably signature foods of Oracle Park and of the San Francisco Giants, of course, are those garlic fries from uh, Gilroy Garlic Fries. And mm. and those go really well. I mean, they're a little bit earthy. They're a little bit pungent, of course, which means that not only if you're having them, um, all of your friends who you're with have to have them too for obvious <laughs> reasons. But it's something that people have had traditionally with beer or, or even a soft drink. But, you know, the acidity of a bright, crisp white wine will sort of cut through that. The earthiness of, of uh, certain varieties work well. And the sort of herbal character that you get from the, you know, the uh, parsley and all that is a perfect candidate for Sauvignon Blanc. So Sauvignon Blanc and garlic fries is one of my favorites. And then, of course, you're going to have one of the renowned uh, tri-tip sandwiches that we do. It's funny how people will freak out if it's a sandwich. But if you tell them it's a steak, oh, I'll have a Cabernet <laughs> with it. So oftentimes it's just literally giving them a message. Think about it as a steak on a roll. Those are some of the ones that we've um, we put on the scoreboard and all. And like I said, people have been resoundingly um, excited about them. So let's say the, the game is over. Maybe you've just walked out of the stadium. Where are you going? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, San Francisco, first of all, is, you know, it's a tiny little city, you know, we're seven by seven square miles and all that. And you can literally walk the whole city in a day if you want to. But if you're really close by the ballpark, sort of in that kind of southeastern part of town uh, over by Mission Bay and and um, Third Street and all that, I'd probably go to Dogpatch, which is a, a an old neighborhood. I mean, it's a gritty old shipyard warehouse a factory neighborhood not far away from Hunter's Point. And I particularly like Third Street, which is sort of one of the main corridors there. You've got all sorts of fun artistry, green spaces, shops, new things <laughs> going on. Um, I'm thinking from, you know, being the foodie, whiny guy that I am, there's a couple of spots that I would recommend. Some owned by fellow master sommelier friends of mine. Uh, my friends, um, Rebecca Feynman and Chris Gaither, who are actually a master sommelier married couple. Uh, oh. They own two spots. They own a fabulous wine bar called Ungrafted, which is just a rockin' place for all things wine and other beverage, I might add. They've um, opened up a second spot called Glue Glue, G-L-U-G-L-U, <laughs> which is closer to the Chase Center, which is more about kind of fun, quaffable, easier wines. Adjacent to them, also at the Chase Center, is Mission Bay Wine Bar, owned by my other good friend, uh, Peter Granoff, fellow master sommelier as well. Great wines, wonderful wine club, lots of cool cheeses and things like that. Right, right. That sounds amazing that there's so many kind of wine bar options uh, right in that area within walking distance. It's extraordinary, you know, and it makes sense because it is, I mean, that is San Francisco, but there's some, it's surprising to me how many there are, but it also speaks to the, to the type of people who go to sporting events and go to events there, whether it's a concert or a soccer game at Oracle or whatever, those people drink wine too. They're not just drinking beer all the time. Right. You know, being a master sommelier, you always know what to order at places like that. But, you know, for the rest of us, sometimes we, you know, we think that wine can be a little intimidating. So what are your tips for listeners who may be interested in getting into wine, but don't necessarily know where to start? 
I think the single most important thing you can do is ask one really easy question of the sommelier or of the server, and that is get eye contact with them and say, what wine do you love? right now that you're serving in this restaurant and watch them light up like the hmm. Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Cause so few people actually ask them, you know, they're all trying to guess what they should have or whatever. But these people spend so much time crafting, curating and putting together these wine programs. And clearly they know what tastes good, what's showing really well right now, what's new, what's happening or whatever. And they are more than delighted to share that information with anybody who wants it. And even if you're not a wine drinker, what craft brews do you like? You know, what vermouths do you have that you like? What sakis are you pouring that you like? Anything right. that you like, they're going to be just tickled pink to assist anyone coming in to dine. That is so interesting. That's great. All right. So listen, when you're not at a game, where are you based in the city? I couldn't live further away from down by Oracle Park. <laughs> oh, really? I live in the Northwest and Oracle is down in the Southeast, if you will. And I live in the inner Richmond. The Richmond um, is sort of anchored around Golden Gate Park, which is actually one of the things I enjoy most about it. There is incredible beauty, scenery, walking. Then there's a lot of sort of cool streets uh, that make up. And there's sort of three to me that make up the Richmond district. There's Geary Boulevard, which is the big east-west avenue that bifurcates the city in the northern part of town and starts literally at almost at the water in the downtown area, um, not literally on the water, but in downtown, and runs all the way to the beach at Ocean Beach. And there's lots of different interesting uh, activities and businesses along there. Uh, from a foodie winey standpoint, um, I like Clement Street, and it's just this wonderful panoply of, of Asian restaurants and Russian food and Burmese food and Turkish food and quirky wine bars and stuff like that. That's a fun street to go on. And then there's the Balboa Corridor, which has um, a wonderful neighborhood up more towards the outer Richmond that's going on. And we've got wine. We've got great cheap eats. We've got splurgier eats. We've got all sorts of uh, <laughs> places we could do. I'm happy to name them if you'd like them. I absolutely would. I was going to ask you, what are some of your favorite, favorite places there? There's probably a four spots I would recommend. One would be a place called High Treason. And it's called High Treason because the two guys who owned it came from fine dining and three-star Michelin restaurants. And they felt that it would be high treason to leave doing that and open up a very casual wine bar, but which they <laughs> did. And uh, it's located on Clement Street, as I said before, and it's really one of the, uh, the anchors uh, from a wine standpoint in the neighborhood. Just down the block, literally just down the block from it is a place called Kitchen Istanbul. Emra, uh, who is the owner of it, has one of the most amazing wine lists and beautifully personally curated lists in the, in the city. It is where all the sommeliers hang out when they're not working because it's well-priced, uh, it's international, it's eclectic, it's cool. Um, at the other end, uh, down closer to 12th Avenue, there's this weird spot. It's called Healthy Spirits. They've actually got four of them in San Francisco. And this one sits at Clement and 12th. And I want you to imagine a restaurant where you walk in has probably, arguably, the best craft beer selection I've seen in San Francisco. Now wow. add to that on top of that, one of the best selections of Zinfandel and Argentinian Malbec in San Francisco, hmm. to which you can then add probably the best bourbon selection in San Francisco, to which you could layer on finally, from a food standpoint, the best selection of vanilla ice cream in San Francisco and his grandma's hummus. Huh. And then located out on Geary, not too far away towards the center, you have Tommy's Mexican Restaurant, which is the largest selection 
of tequila in the United States. And those are all literally here in the enrichment. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, okay, you just mentioned a lot of places. I want to let listeners know that every place we mentioned is going to be in the show notes because that was a lot. Um, and I have to say, you probably live in that area not only for access to Golden Gate Park, et cetera. I think it has to do with all of the amazing restaurants and the breadth of culinary you know, offerings you have. Oh, no, it's incredible. You know, every Sunday morning uh, before football or a ball game or whatever, I take the five mile walk that literally I walk out the door, walk to the beach and walk back through the park and stop and eat along the way. Oh, my gosh. There's a place called Coffee Movement, um, which I just dig. I think they're doing an amazing job. They're on uh, on uh, Balboa around 17th Street and they're like the perfect first stop on my walk. I get my wonderful little, you know, macchiato or latte or, or cappuccino and keep going. And then I'm ready for my baked goods. And then I hit the beach because we're <laughs> literally right there, walk along the beach and then come back through the tulip gardens and then back through the park and I'm home. Sounds like a nice day. Oh, it's a lovely day. <laughs> what if you wanted to, you know, bring friends to a place to, you you know, you wanted to impress them. Are there any restaurants that you like, uh, you know, to do, to do that? Oh, no. I mean, a couple of the places that I, that I mentioned would impress the daylights out of anybody. If you're, particularly if you've got friends who are out of town, you know, Aziza to me, and he has a, a higher end restaurant called Murad, which is located down in the financial district, is a wonderful thing because North African food, as many people know, Moroccan food, Tunisian food is very much the rage. Uh, you know, Murad has been doing it for a long time. And for the people that are looking for the more classic dishes, the Bastilla, the, the couscous and stuff like that, they're going to find more traditional versions, but still upscaled at Aziza with a great wine list and an amazingly bespoke uh, curated bar program there too. Great cocktails. That's a place that I would take people to in San Francisco, regardless of whether they were in, in my hood or not. Yeah, no, it sounds quite amazing. Uh, unbelievable. Well, listen, before we wrap up, I, I wanted to ask you, what do you consider an absolute must-do experience in the inner Richmond that doesn't involve wine? One of the great unexpected little gems is the Presidio itself. The Presidio mm -hmm. used to be part of um, the military. As you know, it went civilian years ago. And mm -hmm. over time, they put in restaurants, they put in cool places to go. You've got the rooftop gardens that have opened up now just on top of the tunnel. Ergo, they're called the tunnel tops. And that's a great way to spend the day. And, and just sort of walking along that area over there is great. You can literally walk right under Golden Gate Bridge when you're over there. So spending time uh, um, looking at that, you know, it's some of the, the you know, Sutro Baths are wonderful and Baker Beach is wonderful. There's so much to do out here. But I would say if you had one day, one thing, spend it in Golden Gate Park and hit a bunch of those restaurants I talked to you about. Sounds amazing. Evan, this was so great speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, the pleasure was mine. And I hope more and more people come out to San Francisco and uh, see what they're missing if they haven't been here before. Absolutely. Evan Goldstein is the official master sommelier of the San Francisco Giants. Next time you go to a game at Oracle Park, you can try one of his picks. And if you want to expand your own wine knowledge, you can also check out his wine club, Master the World, at mtwwines.com. This is California Now. My next guest is no stranger to the California Now podcast. Olivia Allen Price is the host of KQED's award-winning podcast, Bay Curious in San Francisco, and author of the recently published book by the same name. 
Olivia first made her appearance on the show in 2020, and now she's back to talk about the city she loves and some of the neighborhoods she knows best. Olivia, welcome back to California Now. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. So, you know, it's been a while uh, since we last had you on the show, and you've written a book recently. Can you uh, tell us about it? Yeah, so the book is sort of our guide to San Francisco or the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, it's got some of our you know most beloved podcast episodes that we've turned into sort of a written form, as well as a bunch of stuff that is brand new. So if people have been a longtime listener, you are going get, to get something new in in our book. And we think it's you know a helpful guide for anyone who's visiting or if you've lived here for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive in. Um, Let's talk about some neighborhoods. Um, Let's start with North Beach. Uh, For listeners who might not be familiar with the neighborhood, could you, you know, kind of paint us a picture? Yeah. So North Beach is sort of interesting in that it is a place that a lot of people visiting the city would probably go. But I have a hot take that there is kind of a deep cut of North Beach or sort of a B-side that is more kind of what locals love about this place. North Beach feels like you are in Europe. It has a ton of European charm. It's super walkable. It's it's just got these like very deep connections to San Francisco history. It's got the architecture. Um, And if you're into like late night happenings, North Beach is probably the neighborhood that's going to be awake the latest. It's the most like Mm. New York in that way. Well, I mean, for like I know North Beach as being like the little Italy of of San Francisco, right? And so, but you're saying it's it's that and a lot more? Absolutely, yes. I mean, it is known for its Italian restaurants. I think a lot of the tourists who come to San Francisco go there for the Italian restaurants to hike up to Coit Tower. But it's also home to places like Cobb's Comedy Club. They have performances most nights. It's a great spot to like take a date, have some laughs. You know, if you're, if you're out with somebody that you're kind of getting to know, that's one of my favorite places to take them. For a long time in San Francisco, there was a music review called Beach Blanket Babylon. It span. It went on for decades and decades. It was this beloved show. It closed uh, a couple years ago. And in its place is this new show called Dear San Francisco that's happening most nights a week in North Beach. It's kind of like Cirque du Soleil, but with a San Francisco twist. It's a small theater, so you're really close to these people doing amazing tricks with their bodies that just will blow your mind. I went a couple weeks ago, and I'm still thinking about it. Oh, this is really great. I mean, it sounds like you uh, know the neighborhood so well, you probably can suggest things for people who live in the area to do, like things that they haven't heard of yet. For sure. I mean, I think one of the other things people come to North Beach for is for the drinking. Like I said, it's a great place if you're an adult, if you're going to be up late. Uh, You know, Vesuvio Cafe is sort of famous haunt because Jack Kerouac frequented the spot. It's a charming old bar. I like to go there because they have a second story to this bar that just kind of feels like tucked away and cozy and is a great place to kind of carry your drink and just like take a breather. Just next door is, of course, City Lights Bookstore which is owned and operated by Lawrence Ferlinghetti, of course, a famous poet from the Beat Generation. And I love just spending hours kind of wandering around that bookstore and, and getting oh, yes. lost. So take us through a perfect evening in North Beach. Like, say you had somebody visiting and you wanted to, to help them have like the perfect North Beach experience. Where would you take them? Okay, so I would probably start at 
Dear San Francisco, which I talked about a minute ago, because I do think that show is just a lovely entree and kind of lets you know the city in a way that you might not in a pretty quick format. Um, Then I would take them to Washington Square Park just to sit and people watch. Maybe you Mm. grab a slice of pizza, sit and people watch in Washington Square Park. Golden Boy Pizza is probably my favorite spot for pizza there. That's a bit of a controversial take. Everyone has their own favorites. <laughs> but Golden Boy Pizza has this clam pizza that I just think is Ooh. awesome and unexpected and super good. So, yeah, grab mm. a slice of that. Head to Washington Square Park. Sit and people watch for a while. And then probably end at, you know, a drinking establishment. Uh, another <laughs> fun spot is Comstock Saloon. They've been open since 1907. They have a ton of live music. And they just make a perfect cocktail. Mm, that sounds great. Now, what about for people looking to get out into nature? I mean, what are some outdoor activities or spots you recommend in the area? Certainly hiking up to Coit Tower is kind of the classic way that you're going to get out and about in, in North Beach. It's, you know, a heart-pumping hike. Bring your walking shoes, get ready, because uh, it is, you know, quite a ways up there. But the views from Coit Tower are so, so good. I think it has one of the most underrated views in San Francisco. You can see the Bay Bridge, Golden Gate Bridge. I like that you're a little bit closer to downtown than you are in a lot of other views of, of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, it really lets you kind of see, especially, you know, iconic buildings like the Transamerica Pyramid, kind of pretty close. Right. Oh, that's so great. Okay, so let's shift gears now to another neighborhood, Potrero Hill. Uh, Let's say I'm a total stranger to the area. Where is it? And what are some staples of the neighborhood? Yeah. So Potrero Hill is a little bit south of kind of the downtown Union Square neighborhood where a lot of visitors tend to sort of center themselves. Um, It's a neighborhood that has a lot of families and an overall really intergenerational feel. One thing I love about Potrero Hill is it's sunny. It's on the sunny side of San Francisco. Um, So (laughs) if you if you just need to soak in some good vitamin D, it's a good place to hang out for a while. Oh, that's so cool. So when you have friends visiting from out of town, where do you take them when you when you want to show them that neighborhood. One of my favorite places to go in Potrero Hill is called Bottom of the Hill. It's a music venue that has music every single night, usually three bands. Um, And it's one of those venues that's just like a really intimate space that if you're a big music fan, you know is going to have the best shows because you are like 20 feet away from the musicians' tops. Um, And one thing I love about Bottom of the Hill is out front they have the funniest descriptions of who is playing. They really give you a sense of like kind of the vibes of these bands. So even if it's names you don't recognize, you can kind of peruse, you know, who they have listed out front and get a sense for like, oh, is this a show I might want to check out? So it's a great way to just discover new music. That's great. What about if you want to, you know, grab a bite to eat? Uh, where, where, where are some of your go-to spots? Yeah. So in Petrero Hill, the one of the main corridors is called 18th Street. Uh, there's a wonderful French bistro there called Chez Maman. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm not a French speaker, uh, which is so good. They actually opened a second one in Hayes Valley. Uh, One thing I love about that restaurant is it has outdoor seating, but with a view. And it kind of makes me feel like I'm in this mashup of Paris and Lisbon because, yeah, Mm. it feels like you're in Paris, but then you have this incredible view that feels like you're in Lisbon. So um, and the food is the food is fantastic. That sounds so amazing. All right. So now let's say it's later on. The sun has gone down. 
what are some great kind of post-dinner activities you consider a must in Potrero Hill? I mean, maybe going to a concert, right? Or is there anything else that is kind of something to do kind of later in the evening? Totally. So one really fun thing to do is to take in a view, especially at night. Um, so obviously it's called Potrero Hill, and mm-hmm. that is because it is very hilly. Um, so you can <laughs> hike up to the intersection of Wisconsin and 20th. As you kind of hike up to this intersection, you turn around and the city just unfolds like a little picture book beneath you. At night, mm. you can see all the bridges, like all the lights of downtown. The perspective, again, is the perspective is just so unique. It feels like you're so close to it, but you can see so much of it at the same time. It's honestly one of the most like underrated views in all of the city. And I think especially at night, it's 10 out of 10. So definitely do that. Um, Another fun spot would be to check out Ruby Wine. It's a wine bar that will make a beer person feel at home. It's super Mm. relaxed. It has welcoming vibes, a great selection of natural wine. They also have some outdoor seating. Um, So definitely recommend that place if you want to try some interesting new wines. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. That's great. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us again. It's been such a pleasure having you back on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Olivia Allen Price is the host of the Bay Curious podcast on KQED and the author of Bay Curious, Exploring the Hidden True Stories of the San Francisco Bay Area, which is out now wherever books are sold. This is California Now. When it comes to eating out in San Francisco, few people are more familiar with the Bay Area food scene than my next guest. Lauren Saria is the editor of Eater San Francisco and a longtime SF local. Lauren grew up in Northern California and has been a food writer for over a decade. Today, she's here to share her expert insights into San Francisco's vibrant and ever-evolving dining landscape. Welcome to California Now, Lauren. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. You know, you recently wrote an article in Eater about a bar crawl by cable car. I think a lot of people consider riding a cable car one of those quintessential San Francisco experiences. Can you tell us a little, little bit about this? bar crawl? Yeah. So this is something that I got to partake in recently. And I'm, you know, as a local, I will totally admit that like riding the cable cars is not a thing that I (laughs) do all that often normally. But um, it was such a great experience. You know, I think like those opportunities to kind of get to enjoy the city as if you are a tourist are so, um, I won't say rare, but I just don't know that people make time to do it all that often. So I'm, I've been super excited. Like I've been telling everyone uh, that they got to go do this. Right, crawl, exactly. I mean, I guess, you know, if, if it doesn't work out that your commute involves a cable car, you probably don't really, you know, go out of your way to do it. But what a great reason to, to do it, to have this bar crawl, right, to, to, to kind of have that yes. fun that everybody else gets to do. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Haight-Ashbury for a moment. Um, it's a very historic area of the city. Can you tell folks who might not be familiar with the neighborhood a little bit about it? Yes, this is like one of my favorite parts of town. So Hay is famous for being like the hippie neighborhood of the city. It was, you know, it was really quite popular in like the 60s and 70s during, you know, think of like people lounging at Buena Vista Park and in the sun and um, the flower power movement. Mm -hmm. There's a Jimi Hendrix house on uh, Haight near Ashbury. So it's a lot of like history. 
So I think what's nice is it still retains a lot of that feeling. Um, these days, it's like very flush with vintage stores if you're into, you know, thrifting and all of that type of stuff. And there's a number of um, bars that ha- have been open on that street forever and ever and ever. So. Okay, so how does your perfect day in Haight-Ashbury start? Let's say it's a Saturday uh, right in the morning. Where are you going for brunch? Yeah, okay. So um, this is a little bit, a couple blocks off of uh, Haight itself, but there is a lovely little brunch spot called Zazzy that is very well known for their pancakes. And they do um, several different types. Uh, They have seasonal options that will like rotate depending on uh, what's available at like the farmer's market. So during the summer, you might be able to get like pancakes with like fresh berries and creme fraiche on top. But that is definitely my Mm -hmm. go-to order. They also uh, have a whole long list of Benedict's. So I, when I have people in from out of town, perhaps I might encourage them to order. They do a, a crab Benedict that just feels so mm. San Francisco to start the day. It's like, you know, that sounds great. I yeah. want crab on it, everything all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. All right. So now it's afternoon and maybe you want to get some shopping in. Um, what are some of your favorite stores in the area? Yeah. Okay. So I love, I mean, and, and this place, this shop has been open for ever and ever and ever called Wasteland. It's a really big storefront on hate. And like, I remember coming to hate as a kid, like when I was like 16 and going to Wasteland. So, you know, that was, I don't want to age myself, but that was not recently say that I like Wasteland because it's just got a good mix of of stuff. Sometimes you might find like designer pieces kind of mixed in with also things that like you could just wear any day of the mm. week. But there's also, you know, like Borderlands Bookstore, which is um, a locally owned bookstore. They've got an outpost on hate, which I like to pop in there. They've got new books, they've got used books. Um, obviously, there are like some smoke shops that have been around forever and ever. And then there are like newer things as well. Um, like I really enjoy. Um, indigo vintage cooperative it's like a, a smaller vintage shop but it's just like very well curated and that is more, one of the more like newcomers hmm. to the um, neighborhood okay so now we've you know we've had brunch we've done our shopping now it's gotten a little later in the day uh so obviously you have to grab some dinner uh what restaurants are front of mind so one of my favorite like casual dinner go-to spots in the neighborhood is uh, a Mexican restaurant called Otra. It's um, it's not directly on hate. So it's in the neighborhood called Lower Hate, but not um, on the main drag. I like it for like a casual dinner with friends. You don't necessarily have to have a reservation, which is like always nice. And the menu is it's, you know, they do fresh masa tortillas and they use fresh masa in their tamales. But what I really enjoy is that they've got a lot of like vegetable centric dishes. Um, So, you know, you might like be having uh, a tostada that's got like grilled vegetables on top. um, That's really delicious. They, um, they do like a bean dip. So uh, instead of cheese, you're, you're dipping these like beautiful fresh tortilla chips in like a very creamy, rich, uh, black bean dip. And um, I just, I love it. That sounds amazing. All right, let's shift gears to downtown. Um, that's an area people might think they have a pretty good idea of already. What's exciting to you there? And you know, what might people not know about? What's so interesting to me is that downtown San Francisco's bar scene is like, it's buzzing. It's um, there's a lot going on. So I actually think that right now, if you're looking for like to experience sort of the newest 
freshest side of, of cocktails in San Francisco, like downtown is the best place to kind of do that in one neighborhood. Right, right. What's the late night bar scene like downtown? I mean, can you share a few key places that people ought to check out? Yes, there is a little uh, speakeasy called the Felix. And you'll, it's not really marked from the outside. There's like a neon sign, but uh, you do have to, I won't spoil it, but you kind of have to, there's a secret way to get inside. Um, But what I love about that bar is that, you know, if you go down there on like a Friday night, there'll be a DJ playing, there'll be people like up and dancing and the the music will be really loud. It's just a big vibe, which I think um, is very sort of cool. And then um, there's also a newer bar downtown called Dawn Club, which um, is a jazz bar. And um, again, like San Francisco has this history of, you know, of, of jazz music and um, uh, live music venues, but Dawn Club is sort of one of the first to bring that into the modern era. So they um, renovated a historic building right off market. And I mean, it's a gorgeous space. There's this um, backlit bar with um, sort of got this like turquoisey light coming from behind the uh you know an entire mm-hmm. wall of bottles and then there's live music um every night and it's just i think it's really kind of uh, a good example of of like san francisco's music scene being alive and well in downtown can you tell me about some of the new and noteworthy restaurants uh at union square yeah, um, you know, this restaurant opened, uh, I think this would have been in 2021 or early last year, but it's a Vietnamese restaurant called Bodega. And um, we actually named it uh, our restaurant of the year uh, last year. And part of what I love about Bodega is that it's this sort of like family full circle comeback moment that that goes back pre-pandemic. Basically, this family had been running a Vietnamese restaurant in the Tenderloin for years, um, closed during the pandemic. They pivoted as like everyone did to doing like uh, takeout only. And um, post pandemic, uh, the family's son who had been working in the restaurant industry, but not in the family business, really. Um, he had been working at like Nobu, uh, not in San Francisco. So he'd been doing sort of his own thing. Um, he came back and helped the family reopen their Vietnamese restaurant in this space in Union near Union Square. And um the new iteration of Bodega, like post-pandemic iteration, is like this really interesting mix of during the day, they kind of keep to the smaller traditional menus. You can get a bowl of a really good bowl of pho, you know, you can get like all those classics. And then at night, uh, they have a, a bigger menu that sort of pulls in some dishes that are more higher end. So um, to me, I just think that's such a good example of like where San Francisco dining is right now, this sort of like new era uh, for this business. That sound, that's really cool. It almost sounds like that that show, The Bear, if you're familiar with that TV show on Hulu. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And, you know, celebrity chef Tyler Florence is opening two restaurants in Union Square. That must be exciting. Yes. Yeah. So that news just came this week. And Tyler Florence, you know, he's got a history of running restaurants in San Francisco. He recently, in the last couple of years, opened a steakhouse at Chase Center, which is like where the Warriors play. You know, to have a chef with that sort of name recognition and all that experience say that he's willing to uh, 
willing and excited to sort of open something um, in the heart of downtown San Francisco is just, I mean, it's a big deal. It's, it's definitely a big sort of vote of confidence for like the right, area. Right. You know, as someone who gets to dine out for a living, I'm sure you've had your, your fair share of incredible meals, but what's one that you've had recently in San Francisco that really stood out? Oh man, there's been so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'll say uh, one that I'm really excited about that was sort of unexpected, um, and, and it's it's spot I, I hope people kind of pay attention to because it's definitely new, is uh, a restaurant called Kiln. And um, it's more towards uh, the Hayes Valley neighborhood, but also sort of in the city core. And it's a, it's a fine dining restaurant, so tasting menu, sort of white tablecloths, but um, it's opened by this team of sort of younger industry folks. And what what really stood out in my mind is that you could just tell they were having a lot of fun. And I think that in San Francisco, you know, we have we're so fortunate. We have so many really lovely and special high end restaurants where you can have, you know, a three or four hour dinner and everything will be, you know, perfect. Like, again, if you're thinking of the bear, like those moments where like the staff are like predicting your every want and need. But this restaurant, like it was sort of like that experience except just like fun. Like I remember there was a moment where I was like eating this dish and Justin Bieber was playing. And I was like, I was like, I never would have thought I'd be like having this beautiful composed dish. And I'm like jamming out to like Justin Bieber. And it was just like, it made me smile. <laughs> and, um, and so that was really great. And I just like, I'm really excited about that restaurant. I, I hope people will check it out. It's called Kiln. Lauren, this has been such a pleasure. So many great tips and, uh, you know, so much to do in San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Lauren Saria is the editor of Eater San Francisco. You can read more of her articles and culinary insights on the city at sf.eater.com. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope to see you in the Golden State soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're in trip planning mode, be sure to sign up for Visit California's weekly email newsletter for a regular dose of Golden State travel inspiration. You'll find timely and topical trend stories, the latest updates and local events, and so much more. It's all at visitcalifornia.com newsletters. That's visitcalifornia.com slash newsletters.